Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe. The rock is still alive every time I rhyme. Forever, ever, forever, ever, 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 ever. Ah, yes. Little Kanye featured Jay-Z. Before we get started, TJ, by the way, hold it, Kushner, TJ Hernandez, (laughs) and our special guest, Pat James. Tell me about the music, man. What's up with that? I don't know. I think it's the first time uh, you were so excited about the music that you forgot to introduce yourself. Uh, People know who we are. (laughs) They know who we are at this point. Diamonds from Sierra Leone Remix, uh, Kanye West featuring Jay-Z off of the Late Registration album. If you like that song and all of our intro music, you can find it on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Just go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or you can find it on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link to it uh, with the show link. Before we get into the show... Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy football site, has partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of DFS, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. Play this week's $10,000 preseason free roll. It locks Thursday, and it's filling fast, so be sure to reserve your spot. Register with promo code 444. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4.com. I'm sorry, 444, to receive a free seven-day trial. All right, good stuff here. Here's what's coming up. We got uh, Pat James, our DFS contributor for 444.com. I absolutely smashed it. He did our DraftKings contest uh, or content last week and last year, I should say. My God. And, you know, TJ, um, the preseason's here. Pat's big into it. I can't wait to talk to him about that. But before we get into that and, you know, building lineups in the preseason, everything about the preseason you need to know. Um, make sure you sign up now for DFS MVP. We got 10% off uh, with the code DFS MVP with our DFS package on four for four. So our rate review t-shirt giveaway, you leave a five-star review. You're automatically entered to win. Who's this week's winner, TJ? Uh, this week, Henrizzle R uh, is the iTunes name. Henrizzle R left us a real nice five-star review. Hit me up on TJ uh, on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I will get you details on how to get hooked up with that free, super soft, super comfy four for four swag. I'm still trying to get to fifteen thousand followers, so follow me at Holden Radio, and that'll help. <laughs> you too, Henrizzle. Make sure you follow, man. Um, here's what we do every week, especially during the regular season. We'll touch on a few of our core plays, um, usually at DraftKings and FanDuel, and we might be doing a little, a little extra something-something this year as well. And uh, it's usually on the main slate. we got a game theory segment, which is actually what brought me into listening to this podcast before I hopped in as part of the podcast. It's great stuff. And today we got a special guest, Pat James, talking his approach to DFS. Pat, uh, so looking forward to talking to you about this because I got into preseason DFS. I, I dabbled in it a couple of years ago. Last year, I got pretty comfortable with it. I love doing it now. I hear it, it, who was it? I think it was uh, Joe Buck saying you're a degenerate if you're betting on on uh, preseason football or you're playing daily fantasy sports. I'm like, no, you're not. This is a great time to take advantage and win some money. So, Pat, welcome to the show. First of all, love the content. How the hell are you? Good, good. Uh, fresh off of vacation, ready to uh, dive into this preseason content, talk to you guys about um, just the general approach to DFS. Tim smashed it in my absence last week, so uh, kudos to him as well. Hey, did you know, TJ, that uh, Pat was drafting from a glacier last week? <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I saw picks up on the slack. 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I like that stuff a lot. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Pat. How you got into DFS and fantasy sports in general, dude? Yeah, I'm kind of like uh, the call it the Josh McCown of the fantasy industry. I've been everywhere, man. Um, initially started a website with my buddy who's kind of like a tech guy. He did all the back-end stuff. I did all the content. Then he kind of wanted to get out of the fantasy space. So um, I've worked for, I've done college DFS. I've done NFL uh, DFS for a number of sites, Project Roto, Roto Grinders, Roto Viz. Um, my first job was actually football guys um, charting plays for the Buccaneers. So uh, just every, any any site you can think of, you could probably find my an article of mine on it. Yeah, and Pat has his own solo pod too, Ride in NFL uh, DFS. Also follow him on Twitter at Pat James DFS. So how'd you get into DFS, man? Because for me, it was just um, starting out on like Star Street and then not playing a lot of volume. And then all the then I got paid to start reading ads for a couple of the companies. And then I just started getting in. And I was hooked that way. That's my background. What's your background? Yeah, I think it was around like 2012. Um, I stumbled upon an ad for Draft Street or FanDuel in a magazine, a fantasy magazine, and, you know, just gave it a try, dabbled, like you said, made a ton of mistakes early on, had had no clue what I was doing, was a fish early on, um, and then, you know, grew to love it, read a lot of Jonathan Bale's books, started listening to podcasts of guys who you know, came before me and, and knew what they were doing and kind of honed my craft from there. All right, man, let's get into this. Uh, preseason, do you play more cash or GPP? Uh, strictly GPP in preseason. There's not uh, much certainty in any player in, in preseason DFS, so it's really hard to feel good about a cash lineup and kind of stick all of your uh, bankroll into uh, a double up or play 80% of your bankroll or anything like that that you would in a normal NFL regular season contest uh, in cash games. How about you, TJ? What do you do for the preseason? Because I'm just GPP too. I don't, I don't understand how you can do cash in preseason. Yeah, preseason for me is just GPP as well. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not starting out with what I would say is my normal uh, bankroll for the season. Uh, I'm playing less volume. Uh, so I'm really just looking at preseason as an opportunity to maybe like increase what my starting bankroll will be for week one. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of throwing caution to the wind. I'm not playing like five grand a week, uh, in preseason, but you know, I'll, I'll find a couple tournaments that I like and, and maybe like, um, I don't know, fire 20 bullets in a 20 max or something. Yeah. I'm a one site guy too. Uh, yeah. what about you, Pat? How many sites you playing on? Yeah, pretty much the same for me. Um, the issue is uh, historically when I have you know downloaded my CSV Excel file uh, Excel file from all these websites, DraftKings was just the website that I was generally the most profitable on uh, by a significant margin. So really, it just seemed fiscally responsible to put most of my uh, money into DraftKings. Now I'll still dabble on FanDuel and Draft and Yahoo. I actually have come to love the uh, best ball drafts on Draft, but uh, take advantage of some rake-free stuff on the other sites that they're doing. But for the most part, I am uh, strictly a DraftKings player. Is that for um, for preseason and regular season? Yeah, yeah, for, for both. I actually play a little bit more preseason on other sites than than I do regular season. 
Nice. Yeah. I mean, I th that's something that I think a lot of people uh, don't do enough. We talk a lot about game selection, bankroll management, obviously lineup building, but like looking at where you're most profitable and I'm guilty of it too. Like uh, it, it's, it's varied from very early in my career to now where I've been more profitable at, but uh, sometimes you just want to get action on all the sites and, and sometimes that's not the best approach. All right. So um, Pat, just moving on here with, um, from the sites so you don't mix up your games you're just going straight gpps is it small gpps large gpps uh how do you kind of spread out your bankroll there are we talking uh preseason here pre or are we talking yeah, okay so preseason um i like the 20 maxes um that are under under five dollars um then i'll just throw some bullets in 20s, the 50s, etc. Um, I don't like to, as TJ said, get too crazy with the bankroll um, in preseason. But I do have a hefty. Like I mean, some some guys were John Proctor style. He's got his his lineups on literally every contest on uh, the entire site. Um, so not to that extent. Uh, I kind of scale it back a little bit in preseason. Um, but for the most part, I have a good amount of action. TJ, what about you, man? Where are you in the preseason? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm probably just trying to find like a, a tournament I like. It's not so much. Um, I'm not really looking at uh, necessarily um, a specific buying level every single week or a specific site. Like I said, if it's uh, if if I'm just looking to throw like 20 bullets in, I'm obviously gonna look for a, a 20 max game. Um, I mean, on those on those bigger slates, like a, like a, a 10 game slate or something. Uh, it's it's pretty tough to narrow down a preseason player pool to something really small. Uh, so then I'm, I'm going to look for those bigger, like 150 max ones. Uh, but it just kind of depends what the side is offering. I don't have like a go-to tournament every week in the preseason. All right, so Pat, let's uh, talk regular season now. Um, and we'll get into, we'll really dive into preseason a little bit later on. So what are you doing as far as sites? What are you doing as far as mixing up your games? Um, what kind of games are you playing? Which sites are you playing? Give us all a little bit of uh, what you're doing, your process, and where you're playing during the regular season. Yeah, so uh, kind of like I said, I'm, I'm strictly a DraftKings player for regular season as well, and I'm a, a creature of habit. I'm pretty much playing the exact same contests every single week uh, unless there is some type of special promo or tournament or plus EV contest that the rake is, um, you know, zero or something specifically uh, geared towards uh, some type of promotion. Um, as far as uh, the sites, DraftKings pretty much exclusively uh, throughout the regular season. What about what about the full PPR? Is it that you like? Because for me, I'm kind of opposite. I'll play some tournaments on DraftKings, but I I feel like I get a better feel for. I don't even know how to say it. half point PPR to me. It just feels like there's less variance. Yeah, I, I feel that way about PPR. I feel like I have a uh, a better read on value, a better read on projections uh, on full PPR sites. And I think that's mainly the reason that I am a strictly a DraftKings player. I've always played PPR, um, whether that's, uh, you know, at DFS or season long. So I think that's just... Um, a game style a scoring system that I am used to and that I have tended to gravitate towards. 
And yeah, and I will, yeah, I will say that, one. TJ. I will say one thing about that. I mean, from a straight projection standpoint, I think PPR definitely lends itself to better predictability because we know that those <laughs> targets are going to uh, generally turn into catches, and that's especially true for things like uh, pass catching running backs. Um, and it also devalues a touchdown a little bit. So there, um, there's, there's uh, should in theory be be less uh, variance because touchdowns are uh, such a high variant stat and it's really going to swing things a lot. I think th- the one thing that people often overlook when they think that uh, the that DraftKings might feel like it's a really high variant site is because there's a lot of decision making to do at the flex position uh, depending on what type of game you're playing. The When you're playing on FanDuel, um, even in tournaments, it's there's there's almost no incentive to play anything but a running back in the flex. So I think if if you got uh, three really good running backs with one of those being a really good running back value on FanDuel, uh, sometimes it might feel like a lower variance game. All right, so it, it, just to clarify here, you're not playing too much cash, Pat. Oh no, that was for that was for preseason. All right, um, so what's the what's the process during a regular season? How much? Yeah, cash? so. If someone saw my contest selection for regular season, they would probably say that I am a strictly cash player. My <laughs> my bankroll is eighty to ninety percent um, in cash games. In fact, I'll sit down on Tuesday and create a dummy lineup and get them into all of the single entry double ups that I can, and then a few GPPs that I think might fill before the week's over. And then throughout the week, I'm just mashing all the buttons on the single entry double ups that DraftKings opens throughout the week. Um, and then I'll throw some head-to-heads in there on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. How about multiple uh, slates? I'm all about the multiple slates, especially now I do a show that's kind of leading up to the to the 1 o'clock kickoffs. I, always, I almost have to play the 4 o'clock slates too. Yeah, I like the, uh, the multiple slates as well. I'm a huge fan of the primetime slates. Uh, I love after, uh, you know, after the 7 o'clock games. I've gone final. Just look, taking a look at the uh, the Sunday night and Monday night games and jamming some lineups in there. In fact, my one of my bigger wins in 2018, I took down the fair catch on DraftKings. I believe it was a Saturday slate right before Christmas. Um, two gamer on Saturday. That's uh, the short slates uh, are awesome. Are you playing cash on the short slates as well? Like for like a two game? No, I, I cash? yeah, I play very. Low volume on the short slates, the primetime yeah. slates, the early slate, um, and usually just GPP. My cash, the vast majority of my bankroll is cash, and the vast majority of my game selection is on the full slate. Yeah, that makes Not sense. including Thursday, yeah. obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you wrote 10 tips for new DFS players, uh, I think it was last season. What do you think is the most overlooked aspect of DFS for a beginner? Um, probably like we've been mentioning the nuances of contest selection, um, not really paying attention to the rake in certain tournaments, kind of just playing the tournaments that are at the top of the lobby, which are usually the most raked. Um, and then uh, in cash games, not paying attention to not knowing the difference between or not knowing that there's an edge between um, single entry and multi-entry double ups, uh, not knowing maybe scooping games of sharp head-to-head players. So just being wary of contest selections, I, I think something that is um, those nuances aren't really honed in for, for beginner players just yet. 
And yeah, you found I mean, some trends too, didn't you? I mean, for the DK double ups, because it's really important for the game selection here. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I've always surmised that single entry double up contests were softer than multi entry. You would see, I, I would take a look at the cash lines at the end of each week, and I felt like I was always seeing the single entry cash lines were a little bit lower. And it makes sense. You have sharp players throwing 50. 100 lineups in some of these multi-entry double-ups uh, of the same lineup, running trains, as they say. And what that does is that brings the amount of cashable spots much lower, right? Because they're taking up 50 to 100 of the, the cashing spots in a, in a double-up or in a 50-50. And that will bring that cash line up a little bit. And I have all of the 2018 double-up and in, in, uh, contest data run for DraftKings and still doing 2017, 2016, but pretty much exactly as my hypothesis uh, hypothesis went, the, the numbers, the hard data kind of explains it. Um, basically every single single entry contest averaged a lower cash line than the multi-entry contests. In the five, 10 and $25 single entries, they were often six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 points uh, lower than their multi-entry counterpart of the same dollar amount. That is fascinating. Hey, TJ, I mean, and I want to ask you too, and Pat, we'll start with you here. Do you guys notice anything like on the really lower spectrum of things, the $1, the $2, 50-50 double up? I don't even know if either one of you play that low. I know there are some pretty big names that do go that low. Um, do you ever go that, that low in, um, in, in entries and do you notice if their cut lines even lower or maybe even higher at that, at that level? Go ahead, Pat. Um, it's actually, it's actually not. So I could actually give you the exact cut lines for all of those. The $2 single entry, um, on average last year was a 148.9 cut line. Compared to its multi-entry counterpart in the $2 was a 149, which was really the only one that didn't have much of a differential. That was only a differential of a tenth of a point. Um, so, and, and then if you look, as you, as you get higher in dollar amounts, the uh, $5 single entry was 146.6, and the multi-entry was, for $5, was 152.3, which is a 5.7 point difference on average. The $10 was a 149 uh, in single entry and a 155 in multi-entry. And it basically just keeps going on. Um, and to be honest, the, the $100 single entry, 14 out of 17 weeks had a lower cash line than the $2 multi-entry. What? So uh, yeah, I, basically so think... the, the main takeaway is that you, you need to play single, you need to get all your action that you possibly can in single entry before you uh, venture into the multi-entry streets. Yeah, well, well, I think what you're probably seeing there is like, it, regardless of the buying amount, I think when you get the field to a certain number, on, on whatever that number is, but when it's big enough, you're just gonna see um, just a natural, um, <clears throat> a curve of scores. Uh, so you're just going to get, you're still going to get a lot of shops, sharp scores in a really huge tournament, even though it's only, um, one, even though it's only $1 or whatever. And to answer your question, Holden, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, um, like just depending on where my money's at in, in a given week, um, I'm, I'm firing at, at the small stakes up to the highest stakes, uh, possible just because I want to get as many, uh, as much experience 
exposure to different players or, or opponent diversification as possible. Um, I'm playing way more head-to-heads, but uh, one thing I did start doing last year is just mixing in some some 50-50s and double Fs because uh, it is a little bit of, of built-in upside if you have maybe like 10% of your, even if you want to play mostly head-to-heads, playing like 10 or 15% of your uh, head-to-head lineups in a 50-50 or double up because in the event where you do have a lineup that's just like in the 60th percentile, um, you're, you're not going to have a huge profit on your head-to-head games but you will double all of that uh double up or, or 50 50 money even though 50 50 is not a, a true um double up but i think the what pat's talking about with the single entry versus the multi-entry not only are are the uh the lines going to be lower at the single entry but like the thing people really need to understand is that when you have these pros that are out there running 50 lineup trains or whatever the max is um it's it's not only making it harder to cash but you're actually not playing in a true 50 50 or a double up anymore if a double up pays out say i don't know i think it's 46 percent of the field um if there's a handful of people running out 50 or 100 lineups <clears throat> Then all of a sudden, yeah, it might pay out 46% of the field, but really it might be only 30% of users because there's a huge chunk of them using the same lineup a bunch of times. So um, it's just the title alone is can be misleading if you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, multi-entry uh, double-ups is, again, un- unless you are the cream of the crop, you just there's no reason to run in there you just have to it's such high volume but pat just real quick is the is the 146.6 on the five dollar game just an aberration is that all it is because it seems like it's three two to three points lower than the the other numbers it is and i i have some some conjecture and some speculation on why that is i think um you know five dollars is just uh, a figure that a lot of people gravitate towards maybe Mm -hmm. Beginners, um, novices, if they're only playing $20 that week or if they are only if they only deposited $10 or $15 or something of that nature, they might throw their lineup in a $5 double up um, and then like a $5 tournament or something like that. I think there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say fish, but a lot of, um, you know, uh, fresh faces in those $5, $5 contests. That's that to me that's fascinating right there the five dollar thing here that that's actually an edge that i never even thought about tj have you even have you thought about that maybe the dollar point where you might get a little bit of an edge uh i mean i haven't looked into it uh, as much as pat has but before he started talking that was going to just kind of be my hypothesis that that just seems like an attractive price point if you're going to play cash games I, I think um the average user definitely isn't playing head-to-heads even though if you're listening to this podcast we've talked about it ad nauseum how much that sh- should be the the basis of what you're playing if you're um if you're playing like super high volume but i mean i have tons of friends that um that that play FanDuel or DraftKings on their app and it's exactly like pat said they're they're not the the average user isn't playing like we play where we have our bankroll and we're going through their strategy. They're throwing 50 bucks on, on a side each week, probably playing a couple tournaments and then saying, Oh, it's easy to double your money. Even though we know it's not, that's, that's just how they're, that's just how they're playing. It's like, it's, that just seems like the most attractive price point. Like Pat said. All right, guys, uh, fantasy draft. Let's talk about that for a second. The only rake free daily fantasy site in the business. They partner with Hooters, to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. 
Fantasy Draft hosting a completely rake-free contest with a guaranteed prize pool of a million dollars. One million dollars to help kick off preseason Fantasy Draft running a $10,000 free roll for this week's Thursday to Saturday preseason game. So why wouldn't you get into that? Free to enter includes $250, $20 tickets into the $1 million Hooters kickoff. It's filling fast, so reserve your spot today. The days of losing 10, 12, 16% of your entry free is to the rake. It's over. You don't have to lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Only on Fantasy Draft, where you get 100% of entry fees paid out to the contest winners 100% of the time. So to access all of Fantasy Draft's exclusive rake-free contests, including this week's $10,000 free roll, all you got to do is become a member. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444. Four F O R four. You'll get a free seven day trial membership. That's fantasydraft.com. Promo code four for four. The Hooters kickoff free roll. Filling fast. Grab your spot today. Uh, TJ, Pat, let's get into preseason strategy. Week two specifics. You know, we covered it just a little bit. Um, but just real quick to run it down again, Pat, the major differences between preseason and regular season DFS. Yeah, so I think the main difference and the obvious one that um, you know, most people are aware of is that almost every single player on the roster is going to have a shot at getting on the field. So, you know, we don't have first string players, Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey playing all four quarters. Um, each week is a different breakdown of uh, first, second, third, fourth units. And you basically just have to be on your toes with information to know who is playing who has what teams have thinner depth charts at certain positions. Um, we saw it last week with Joe Webb. Not in any universe does anybody want to click on Joe Webb, uh, but he was going to play four quarters, so he kind of had to be locked into your roster. And even though he didn't play great, he only had 280 yards and 40 yards rushing with a couple picks, he um, ended up being the, the, the right play. Um, so like, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it right now, but like in season, we're looking at, at value and it's, that's largely dependent on, on projections. If you go to any lineup generator, uh, the value is sorted by like point per uh, dollar or something similar. Uh, we obviously don't have that in preseason. So like, while we could kind of project playing time and, and, and look at coach speak a little bit. It's almost impossible to make really accurate projections for preseason. So is there anything else that you're looking at in preseason research, whether it be like on a weekly basis or even just like prepping for, uh, for preseason, whether it be coaching trends, player trends, even some kind of positional trend or something like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think talent plays a, a big role. It's not just, it's almost like a sliding scale of talent and playing time. We saw that last week as well. Um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Andy Reid came out and said the first string offense was going to get a quarter, mm-hmm. and, and they were heavily owned because a quarter of a talented first string offense like Mahomes and Kelsey uh, and Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins uh, is about as valuable as two or three quarters of a second or third string player. So I think you just have to evaluate talent and playing time. Um, and some people, some. Some players don't need as much playing time to to hit value or to to be a good fantasy mm-hmm. asset. There's there's other things. There's lots of things. There's um, you know quarterback and wide receiver connections in camp. I pay a, a ton of attention to. A lot of times you'll see beat writers say, um, you know, Trevor Simeon has hit Greg Dortch six times in a row uh, in this in this hour of practice. 
um, that's huge because obviously he has a connection with them and that will uh, leak over to the actual game when they play it uh, this week. Things of that nature. I mean, that's I, I kind of scoffed when it, it wasn't a scoff. It was kind of a, a laugh because that's how that is how much you have to dig in to be successful in preseason DFS. Like you just can't use a lineup generator. And I, I really don't know anybody that just goes and uses a lineup generator anyways, but say, okay, these, these guys are good. You basically have to go on Twitter and sit there and follow mm -hmm. the beat writers and figure out who's standing out every week. And it's not only that. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, um, and listen, Pat, just real quick, like a couple of minutes before the show started, the Colts, they announced that they're going to play their starters, you know, deeper into the game. You've got to know that Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay starters, they're going to play at least a quarter. Aaron Rodgers never plays in the preseason. You have to balance all of this news out there and then try and figure out where the talent lies. That's what makes preseason DFS so challenging. Yeah, absolutely. There's even um, a, a sub a sub segment of players that I, I categorize as uh, crossover players. And for instance, this week it'd be someone like, Dexter Williams, who is kind of pushing for playing time with the the first string, but he's also not a first string player at this point. He's really um, he's really third on the depth chart behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But both of those guys are a little nicked up. Um, Jamal Williams probably isn't going to play. Aaron Jones might get a series, might get some snaps. So with a player like him, um, you might see him on the field with Aaron Rodgers and the starters, and then he stays on the field. Uh, when Deshaun Kaiser and Jake Kumro and those second second unit players come in. So he's uh, definitely a, a target this week based on the fact that he's going to be playing across units on the depth chart. What sources are you using here, uh, Pat? What Say specific, that again. What specific sources are you using for research? Um, depth charts, they usually teams update those right before the game. Those are huge. Uh, beat writers, Twitter, uh, they always, a lot of times they'll even come out with, these beat writers will come out with articles like um, three thing, three players to watch, and it'll be guys that shined at camp that week. Um, those articles are helpful. Um, and just the, the news cycle, a lot of times Google News is your friend. Uh, if I'm thinking about playing a certain player, just go to Google, sort by the news tab, type in the player's name. And you'll get a lot of hits um, of articles from the local area, the local newspaper, things like that. Um, it's it's a lot more work than regular season to try and figure out uh, who's playing. Coaches press conferences the day before the game. He'll usually give an indication of how long certain players are playing and who's injured and who's not going to play. And you basically just have to sit down with the depth chart, cross all the guys out that aren't playing, uh, and go from there. Yeah, one there are if you go on on my Twitter or John Paulson's Twitter, and you might even have one too. I'm not sure, Pat, but just look at our lists. We have some lists of um of of just beat writers, so that's a really good Twitter to scroll instead of trying to mix it all in with uh, all your all the other noise on your feed. Um, so when you're when you're doing all this, you're obviously just kind of looking for for playing time expectation. Uh, first and foremost. Does does your process or at least like your expectation on 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 playing time change uh, based on like which week of the preseason? Like we have some general ideas if we watch football at all, but specifically to DFS, uh, how is that changing um, from like between weeks one, two, three, and four? Yeah, so week three is usually the the dress rehearsal week, uh, quote unquote. Those, mm -hmm. That's the week that 
you know, starters play two or two quarters or even into the second half. Um, that's probably the easiest week to create lineups because basically you're just um, honing in on the actual guys that you're going to play during the regular season. All the other weeks are kind of tricky. Um, week four, I know I'm not going in order here, but uh, kind of going in order of the most predictable weeks. Mm-hmm. Week four, you're not going to see really any starters or sometimes not even second team players. Um, that's kind of like a undrafted free agent nightmare week four that's like <laughs> camp battles uh guys that are are really vying for roster spots and, and just camp bodies that they are just throwing to the wolves um week one is you know maybe a little bit a dabble of of the starters a series of the starters i know i mean um, andy reed wanted to play his guys for a quarter last week but that kind of uh got ruined by the bengals nine minute drive to start the game and then they kind of only got a series in the quarter and he pulled them uh but this week is definitely the trickiest this week the it varies so much by team to team in week two some guys will play into the second quarter some guys like um tom brady or carson wentz first string won't even play at all again in week two uh, so week two, you really have to pay attention, uh, but really second and third string kind of uh, are the ones you have to hone in on uh, in week two of the preseason. You know, here's here's one thing that I have gotten a little success out of in the preseason, and it kind of narrows things down. I think you could do it this week is the showdowns. You know, the the showdowns. It's obviously a much smaller playing pool, but a uh, player pool, but. It's also, I don't want to say it's less research, but it really is. You're just honing in on on a handful of players as opposed to playing, you know, five-game slates. And how I, I, what do we got this week? We got a five-game slate starting at five. We got a four-game slate, the late slate on Thursday, too. So, to me, I think showdowns are really a good way to go. Do you play many showdowns? Yeah, I, I uh, actually, the Hall of Fame game uh, two weeks ago was, Pretty profitable um, with the the double defensive stack there, and uh, for the most part, yeah, you're you're correct. The the research is a little bit limited, um, but you kind of have to not want to play every player. Um, a lot of times, when it's a, a small player pool, like on a prime time slate, uh, you kind of get the itch to uh, cover all your bases. And that is detrimental to your bankroll as well. You kind of just have to plant your flag in the ground and play who you need to play. Um, but one trend in showdown is to definitely play two defenses uh, as long as it's not week three of the preseason um, where the starters are going to get two or three quarters. Then it, it kind of diminishes the edge. Um, but it, it just makes it just makes sense, right? The, the defense is going to be on the field for all four quarters. They start with 10 points. You can accrue fantasy points throughout the entire game. Um, and that's an advantage over players that are only playing 20 to 30 snaps uh, throughout the entire game. Uh, are you are you doing kind of the same thing with, with kickers in showdown? Because people that don't that haven't played showdown, that you do have the option to play kickers. Um, and then uh, going back to defense, how do you approach uh, your defense on like a regular, in a regular non-showdown GPP in the preseason? Okay, so... Uh, Kickers, not so much. And I think even, even though a lot of teams only carry one kicker throughout the preseason um, and you know that they're going to get all the work, 
coaches kind of get a little unorthodox or unpredictable. Um, they're going to like put in their fourth down plays. They're going to want to get their players um, two point conversion, uh, some practice with those. So I've seen the <clears throat> I've seen in the preseason where you know you would think that a kicker has uh, a ton of upside because they're the only kicker on the team. But uh, oftentimes coaches make decisions that are irrational just to get their players into certain situations that they want to see them in on tape. And I think defense is much more of an edge than, than kicker and showdown on preseason. And one thing that I do that I would like to point out is that some of the strategy for defense and kicker in preseason um, in the past years kind of bled over into the regular season. And I think that's a mistake. Um, obviously, double defense, double kicker is is not as much of an edge in the regular season. I see it a ton when I play showdowns, um, you know, the Monday night showdown or the Sunday night showdown, et cetera. I think people get that, um, you know, that strategy mixed up. They conflate the preseason and the, the regular season there with the two defenses. It's, it's not as much of an edge. It's really not an edge at all in regular season um, as much as it is in the preseason. To me, you're just trying to play the best players with the most opportunity out there. Any reason to stack in a preseason? Yeah, you could. Um, the problem is, uh, I would say that, you, you number one, you have to know that the two players are going to be on the field at the same time. Because, uh, you know, there's three quarterbacks, sometimes four, for an offense playing, and then upwards of ten receivers. Um, so just making sure that they're in the same unit and they'll be on the field at the same time. If they're if a team is thin in, in two spots, like quarterback and tight end, or quarterback and and receiver, it's definitely doable. Um, but you don't. It's not as it's not as important. It's not as necessary um, when you have a quarterback throwing to eight, nine, ten guys. Hey TJ, you want to talk about core plays a little bit? Anything else you needed for Pat? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, we covered a lot of a lot of really good general preseason ideas. You touched on it a little bit, Pat. Um, like in week two, it's it's kind of all over the place. Uh, is there like a, a baseline that you're looking for week two, like minimum or like obviously maximum playing time? Um, and then it's still it's still 24 hours before kickoff. Uh, roughly so there's a lot could change but has anybody stood out to you early in the uh the process for uh who uh, might be some core plays in week two of preseason um yeah so week two is kind of the most capped week um because the starters play uh a quarter or maybe into the second quarter um and then from there the second and third string take the field and it, it kind of leaves out the the fourth, fifth unit of wide receivers or the third quarterbacks kind of left out to dry to just hand the ball off a couple times on the last series. Um, whereas, you know, in the in the third week of the preseason, you're getting multiple quarters out of the starters. In the first week of the preseason, you're getting multiple quarters out of um, some, some key reserves, some third stringers. So I guess the baseline would be um, more than a quarter. That's what you'd want out of most of your, your your week two players. Hopefully two quarters, but unless there's like an injury or an extremely thin depth chart, you're probably not getting more than two quarters out of um, any certain players. This week, the guys that stand out that might be getting uh, two quarters, like I said, Dexter Williams, um, 
Travion Williams from the Bengals. If he plays, he should uh, get a ton of work. There's a couple tight ends that actually um, are part of thin depth charts. Uh, Ryan Griffin, former Texan, is um, on the Jets currently, and they are pretty thin at tight end. Josh Perkins is on is currently an Eagle. They are pretty thin at tight end. Ertz probably won't play. Goddard got hurt. Richard Rodgers is hurt. Um, so he's probably going to see a ton of snaps. Um, I mentioned before Greg Dorch. He's a, a little um, slot receiver out of Wake Forest that in college wore the longest towel in his pants I've ever seen. Um, he He's probably going to see um, a good amount of targets, probably play two quarters. Uh, but uh, as far as, I mean, like you said, it's 24 hours before I have um, – J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he's uh, a player that'll probably play across units. He'll probably play with the ones and then the twos. So those are the guys that I'm really targeting this week, the guys that are going to play with multiple units. Um, Boykin will probably be one of those players as well. Uh, Andy Isabella was hurt last week. He's going to uh, get his first look this week. I think they're probably going to want to see what he can do. Um, But all those guys will be in my article for tomorrow yeah and those articles for preseason will be going up uh every day that there is a preseason game uh so make sure you're checking those out from pat uh who how he expects playing time to uh to play out and pat's updating those uh pretty close to kickoff so the the edge there is being up on news so make sure you're checking back on four for four uh throughout the day on those all right fantasy football fans listen if you you got to join the biggest nfl season long tournament ever if you love fantasy football, uh, you obviously do. If you're if you're listening to this podcast, you gotta enter the three and a half million dollar best ball championship on draft. I did three and a half million dollars, real money. It's friggin' huge. That's what the script says. It's friggin' huge. Here's how best ball works: it's season long, no management. Set it, forget it. You're done drafting. That's it. You don't have trades, waiver wire, nothing. Your best players get started. You get the best score every week, guaranteed. No salary caps. Playing a real snake dry, uh, draft live, just like you play with your friends in a season-long league. They got fast drafts. Just it's it's great. There's no better place, and you can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple minutes. You can join one right now. Do a draft. You can be a millionaire 16 weeks later. Join me on draft today. Download the app anytime. Search Draft Me app or Play Store. Join a game in minutes. Play right from your computer on Draft.com. Whatever you want to do. Right now, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But you got to use the promo code 4 for 4 Play real money game for free by using the promo code 4FOR4, 4 4 4 for 4 on your first deposit on draft. Search draft in the app store. Go to draft.com. Come play free with promo code 4 for 4 uh, TJ, a couple other things I know you want to remind our listeners. And Pat, uh, before we get out of here, man, great stuff. And I look forward to, to checking out the rundown coming up uh, before the games. Yeah, if, if you yeah, guys want uh... Go ahead, Pat. No, I was going to say it was a pleasure. Uh, love listening. Love joining in here from time to time. Yeah, and if uh, if you guys want want access to uh, Pat's content for preseason and obviously his uh, DraftKings breakdown throughout the season, which is arguably the most important article on the site each week, uh, make sure you sign up for 4 for 4. If you use promo code DFSMVP, that gets you 10% off of the DFS sub. 
If you like us and like what we do, please leave us a five-star rating or review. If you do that, we'll automatically enter your name uh, into a contest to win a free 4 for 4 t-shirt. You could follow me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You could follow Holden on Twitter at Holden Radio. Pat, remind everybody where they could find you and all of your stuff. Uh, On Twitter at PatJamesDFS. And then I also, as you guys mentioned, do my own ride in nfl dfs podcast usually comes out on thursdays right before that week it's called the ride in podcast because i usually have kids climbing all over me and can't do one in the house so i mic up my car and give you my thoughts on my ride to work (laughs) i know that dude that's dad problems right there pat i'm right there with you buddy all right cool thanks again uh pat for joining us we will talk to you guys next week Asking me is I'm gonna give my chain back That'll be the same day I give the game back You know the next question's all Yo, where Dame at? Let's track the Indian dance to bring our rain back What's up with you and Jay, man? Are y'all okay, man? Yup, I got it from here, yeah, damn The chain remains, the gang is intact The name is mine, I'll take blame for that The pressure's on, but guess who ain't gonna crack? <laughs> Pardon me, I had to laugh at that How could you falter when you're the rock at your balls? I had to get off the boat so I could walk on water